And now, on with the show. Did you just take a fucking bong rip? I told you I wasn't ready. I said no, and I did the fucking hand thing, and I pointed at the bong. You asked if we were ready. He was sitting there ripping the bong. He didn't say no. Well, Mystic was like, nah. Ready. All right, and with that train wreck of an introduction, uh, <laughs> welcome everyone to this week's episode of Weekend Watch, the show where we give you our recommendations for what you should spend your free time watching this weekend. Uh, we're going to do something a little differently today. Uh, I've got me, Keith, and David are here, and we are each joined by our significant others. Why doesn't everybody, all six of us, say hi? Hi. Oh. <laughs> All right, so uh, we got a lot to get through today, so um, why don't we just jump right in? I think we're going to kick it off today with Keith and Lauren. I think Lauren's got something for us, so uh, why don't we jump in? Keith, uh, who do you have sitting with you? Uh, I got my wife sitting here with me. Uh, We decided that since we're all 30-year-old dudes with similar tastes, we'd bring in some, some other tastes with our significant others, and share something that that they want to share with everybody as well. So, Lauren, uh, what's your recommendation this week? Well, I am bringing the trashy um, duck. Sorry, (laughs) my brain's not working. Okay, so I'm recommending Vanderpump Rules, and it's a trashy, entertaining, and super fun. Hold on. Take take a sec. What? I'm sorry. My brain's not working. I can't remember the word reality (laughs) TV. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry. Can we cut that? Is that possible? No, you can't cut anything in a podcast. We've got to keep, keep oh. talking. Oh. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have that technology yet. This is live. Wait, but you don't, can we edit that out? No, there's, that technology does not exist. Oh, sweet Jesus. Okay, so this is a reality TV show. And I'm going to be honest, I'm going to give you a full disclaimer that originally I had been, this show had been recommended to me and I was like, no, I don't watch reality TV shows. I don't give a fuck about the Kardashians. I don't like the housewives. But um, after being pestered enough, I decided to give it a try. And the first couple episodes are terrible. You kind of have to just power through them. But once you get through, um, I promise it's like super entertaining and hilarious. I think it's different from other reality TV shows like The Housewives because instead of just a bunch of rich idiots, you have a bunch of idiots who are aspiring to be rich but are not at all. And they all work in a restaurant as waitresses or bartenders. And they're all complete fools and they think that they're going to be amazing like performers, but they're all kind of terrible at what they do. So um, (laughs) I think it's just a really fun story because you get to see all these dummies live their lives and make tons of mistakes and some of them grow from those mistakes and some of them continue to make the same exact mistakes over and over but they become kind of lovable and you care about them at the end even though they're all idiots and um, Keith and I definitely spent like hours talking about their relationships and their growth in life and so we found that we kind of fell in love with these dum-dums and (laughs) it was a lot of fun that's awesome I, yeah, I will never I, knock reality TV. Like Laura and I have spent countless hours watching Jersey Shore, and I don't regret even a single minute of it. 
So I understand. This has a similar level of trashiness, I would say, just in a much different way. This is L.A. This is West Hollywood. Um, a bunch of bartenders. Again, this this show is called Vanderpump Rules, and it's uh, it's a spinoff of the the Real Housewives because Lisa Vamp Vanderpump was one of the Real Housewives, and she and her husband own several uh, uh, restaurants in West Hollywood. And this follows some of their their employees, and they're a bunch of fucking morons. Like like Lauren was saying, they are just terrible, terrible people. Jax is probably the worst person on the planet. He's a yeah, he, he's least. awful. Uh, the Toms are actually okay. There's, there's like some good characters, but they're all just kind of dumb pieces of shit. And uh, <laughs> But it, it's so fun. It, it's really hard to stop watching. You know, I, I stopped watching, like she said, during the first couple of episodes. And then I came back probably at the end of the first season. And and I ended up watching the whole rest of the entire show with with Lauren. We just got hooked on it. That's awesome. Where is where is it available? Uh, It is on Hulu. Yeah, yeah. it's on Hulu. Um, but the most recent season, the only thing that kind of sucks is that uh, Bravo kind of waits to turn things over to Hulu. So everything is about a year behind. So, uh, you yeah, unfortunately, I feel like that's pretty that's pretty common with with streaming, but I feel like it's getting better. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with things like Hulu that that and, and HBO Max that are going to be picking up more of these shows and and just airing them rather than waiting for them to broadcast on cable. My only my biggest gripe, though, is like streaming originals that still do like weekly releases. Yeah, that pisses me off. Uh, HBO is probably the worst at that. That You know, they still have a cable channel, so they do weekly releases. And I right. that and that I understand, like for the ones that are airing on HBO. But like Hulu does it with some of their originals, like Handmaid's why? Tale. Why? Like they air one episode a week direct to streaming. Makes no sense. No sense at all. Okay, so yeah, that was our first recommendation is is Vanderpump Rules. Don't go in expecting some mind-blowing award-winning show. It doesn't even have a rating on, <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. There's not enough people that get on Rotten Tomatoes to rate things uh, of this quality. So, uh, I mean, it, it is that quality that it, they can't food. even rate it. So, yeah, go, go ahead and check it out. It, it is a fun watch, and these people are a train wreck that you cannot look away from. That's awesome. Uh, let's roll right into yours, Keith. Uh, we'll, we'll do each couple at a time. Sounds good. Uh, my recommendation is, is one that Lauren and I watched together as well. Uh, I picked this one a lot because she also liked it a lot. It's a show called Barry. It's on HBO. It is a, an HBO original, and it is probably one of the the funniest HBO shows I have seen. You know, Veep is a absolutely hilarious show, but I feel like Bill Hader playing Barry is is one of the best characters to ever go through HBO's whole catalog. He he was phenomenal the entire time. It has a ninety nine percent critic review on Rotten Tomatoes, a ninety percent audience review, so it it gets rave reviews. Um, it's a, a comedy about a former Marine working as a hitman in the Midwest who goes to the West Coast for a job and winds up getting involved in the Los Angeles theater scene. He starts taking classes. It's hilarious. He's, he starts taking these acting classes from, uh, what's his name? The Fonz. Um, oh, God, gosh. Um, what is the actor's name? Henry Winkler. Thank you, Laura. Henry Winkler, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he is 
he is freaking amazing throughout this whole thing. Bill Hader is just incredible the entire time as well. This show is is too fun. It is it's dark comedy. It's it's got the light humor to it as well. The characters, every one of the characters are just lovable in their own way. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I think uh, Anthony Kerrigan, who plays Noho Hank, really yeah. like stole the show. Every episode he's in is is gold. He's just hilarious. And he did you ever watch um, Gotham? The yeah, he played Zaz. Like, young Batman series. Yeah, he played Zaz. Yeah. Oh really? I haven't. That was the first place I'd come across him, and it was, and then I he he popped up in Barry, and it was like, oh, it's that it looks guy exactly He's like the... Zaz. Like he, that's such a good pick to play Zaz too. Yeah, you can't get any better than that. Yeah, he's he just like it's like he it's like the character of Zaz was drawn based on him. Honestly, seriously. Yeah, it's kind of like when Robert Downey walked in as Iron Man, and it's like, oh, oh yeah, that's that's that guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, how many? There's what, two seasons? Yeah, there's two seasons right now. Um, I think they're they're planning on doing more. Uh, I honestly don't don't know for sure, I but I would have they're doing more. Yeah, it won like tons of Emmys and stuff. I don't see them getting rid of it for now. Yeah, Bill Hader is just an incredible actor, comedian, writer. The guy he he works with Trey Parker and Matt Stone on South Park a lot. He does he does things in the community of of comedy. All the time, and and he Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah he was Saturday Night Live. Yeah, he's always one of the best hosts. Yeah, and yeah, I absolutely love Bill Hader. And if if you do and you want to see more of him, check out Barry because it is tip top. It is is some of his best work as well as one of the best HBO shows I've watched. Yeah, definite recommend for me too. All right, uh, well we're gonna move along next. So um, next up, we're gonna have Laura. Come on, that's my fiance. Um, really excited to hear what she has to tell us about. So, uh, no further introduction. Laura, take it away. So, uh, my recommendation is um, I hope I don't elicit a collective groan from everybody who knows me based on this recommendation. But <laughs> mine is the Rammstein in America documentary, which is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Aww. It's got an 8.2% on IMDb. Um, the longer, there are two plots on IMDb, but the longer one, um, Hans Rossocker's major documentary, Rammstein in America, is a great journey. It begins in summer 1988 on the Oststrand in East Germany and accompanies the band on their long, sometimes painful, but finally successful conquest of the American continents up to 2001. It continues with their farewell to the U.S. after the events of September 11th and ends in front of thousands of cheering Americans in Madison Square. So um, there are two versions of this documentary. One is an hour and a half, and the other one is a director's cut that's over two hours. Um, The one that's on Amazon is the uh, two-hour director's cut. I watched it in parts personally, but it was uh, kind of painless to do so. So while I wish the one point five-hour version were the one that was on Amazon just for the sake of potentially not losing anyone's interest to the runtime alone. It was easy to kind of put down and um, pick back up. Yeah, it's a little more accessible when they're they're shorter. So getting over two hours for, for a Rammstein documentary, while, while all of us all of us guys here would probably love that, there's <laughs> some people that might want the information in a little less time. Exactly. 
And I think there's um, also just kind of a natural aversion to documentaries about topics that don't interest you at kind of that basic fundamental level. In this case, Rammstein as a band and their music. But I think this documentary is really, it's a really interesting view into a few different. Um, I read a couple of existing reviews to kind of get ready for this. Uh, what is interesting is that I've heard both sides that it's for that it was created primarily for its existing fan base, that it caters only to that fan base. But I've also heard that it's not, and that at its core, it's just kind of fundamentally um, an interesting music documentary. And I'm kind of in the latter. <clears throat> so I think it's a just kind of a really interesting glimpse of the effects that the divide of East and West Germany had on German culture, uh, especially German music culture. I was a terrible history student in school, and I've come to learn that it's because I'm a person who learns better through uh, learning through kind of individual stories. And the Rammstein story in this documentary taught me a lot about East and West Germany and mostly about how the East understood and consumed Western music and how that culture fed into the fascination with Western rock music from the Western world in particular, um, how that prevalent kind of underground music uh, kind of shaped the creation of this band specifically. Um, so it's kind of a glimpse into the, the culture of American hard rock and new metal industrial scene in the late 90s to the early 2000s as well. Um, I'm 34 years old, so <laughs> I was a bit too young to experience 90s concert scenes firsthand. Uh, I entered around 1999 and 2000. My first concert was Horn and Rob Zombie in 1999. <laughs> Moreover, I was 13 years old when I attended that concert, so... I had no idea what I was kind of truly experiencing then anyway. So this documentary, this documentary was kind of a, a nice glimpse into a culture that I got a taste of both as a kid and as an audience member and not someone kind of working backstage or just someone who kind of understood the, the culture and the effect of this music in that larger cultural. That's, that's really cool. I, I feel like Rammstein has a massive cultural impact in, in Germany. So I'm glad that they... They really focused in on a lot of that in the documentary. I, I haven't watched it yet, and I, I would really love to. I do love Rammstein, but I, I like that there's some of the, the history to it and, and their influence in there as well. Yeah, for me, it was, I really enjoyed watching this with her. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan, too. In fact, became a bigger fan when, when because of Laura, really. Um, but getting to have that retrospective, I guess, of, of like you said, I you know, I wasn't old enough for any of this either. Um, you know, the, the nineties new metal scene or industrial or anything like that, being able to look back on it with fresh eyes, seeing, you know, firsthand accounts of the other bands that, you know, toured with them, all these extra stories and, and things. Um, and, you know, we always hear the stories of how, you know, they were arrested in the early two thousands for lewd behavior. And, and, you know, it was the, that was like the the extent of my knowledge of it but getting to watch the documentary seeing firsthand footage just how ridiculous it was this like these morality police that that were you know arresting these these europeans who are you know obviously far looser in, in with that kind of stuff but i don't know it was just really interesting definitely worth a watch i think and um i think it, it has a lot of relevance right now because especially with what's going on in 20 um and especially with the 4th of july just passing we're kind of questioning what it really means to be an American right now. And I think this documentary kind of um, lets us kind of have that introspection when, when you're interviewing these people, the, the, 
the documentary is not necessarily just about Rammstein at kind of a very high level, but it's specifically about their impact and how they got to kind of get their footing in it. So there's a lot of interviews about their their experiences. Having that and hearing that kind of outside perspective, especially right now, I think. And then they talk about one of one of the band members was actually living in New York City on 11. So just kind of hearing about our culture from that outside perspective really helps you kind of think about how you identify as and what that means. Actually. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm going to have to check it out. Right on. Um, yeah, definitely recommend for me if you're a fan of the band, um, if you're a fan of, of music history, um, cultural, like I said, the cultural differences uh, between uh, East and West Germany, uh, the, you know, the end of the cold war, um, going even further to what Laura was saying, as far as, you know, looking at introspection to what it means to be an American. I think you can also learn a lot from them having to question their own Germanness at the end of, at the end of the cold war with, you know, East and West Germany reunifying and, and what that meant culturally for them. Um, how they had to question, you know, their own governments and everything and how it was all set up. I think uh, you can learn a lot of lessons from that too. So uh, what I want to do then is, is uh, we'll go ahead and move on. Um, my recommendation for the week is a Hulu original, uh, Big Time Adolescent. Came out, what, two months ago, approximately. Stars Pete Davidson. Um, we'll just jump right in here. It's uh, a seemingly bright and mostly innocent 16-year-old named Mo attempts to navigate high school under the guidance of his best friend, Zeke, played by Pete Davidson, an unmotivated yet charismatic college dropout. Although Zeke genuinely cares about Mo, things start to go awry as he teaches non-traditional life lessons in drug dealing, partying, and dating, while Mo's well-meaning dad, played by John Cryer, tries to step in and take back the reins of his son's upbringing. Uh, it's got an 85 critic score and an 84 audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Did uh, I, anybody else have a chance to watch this one? I, I didn't. And this is one I've toyed with wanting to watch several times, but I see it pass by me on, on Hulu and the cover. I, I just kind of hate the cover. So I have <laughs> it over several times. I, you know, I, I know the, the guy's a good actor, but I just hate his face so much. And it, it just that makes me blonde hair. is kind of rough. But hearing is, you recommend it, it, it gives me hope that i i should actually watch it and, and check it out yeah i've been a big pete davidson fan since we've been you know watching snl a lot over the past few years um he plays a really that slacker goofy character really well yeah. um i recommended in the first episode we did king of staten island which was another movie it's, it's very similar to big time adolescence in that he plays this this loser this slacker this degenerate like drug user i mean and but he does it with such heart that I, I really enjoy it yeah he, he does it so well and apparently both movies really drew from his his life experience yeah. i i think he's just playing pete davidson and he's playing pete davidson yeah that's exactly right um yeah, exactly he still lives in his mom's basement even with his his all his movie money and and, and he's a very money comedian and he's a great actor uh i like you said, he's on Saturday Night Live. He does a great job on there, but I see his face, and and it's just like, nope, I, I'm not going to watch that. So, <laughs> uh, I think um, I think I'll have to check this one out now, though. He, I, I'd recommend both of them. He he portrays you know the mental health issues really well. I think, which is another thing that personally in his own you know his own personal life he struggled with a lot. Um, 
big time adolescence specifically, it felt the story was was non-traditional in that it it's not like um it doesn't have a, a huge arc to it you know it it's kind of a coming of age story but not really it feels more like a portrait movie you know where it's just this this snippet in in life that you get to watch um i don't know it, it didn't there weren't a whole lot of of lessons to be drawn but other than you know don't don't be a pete davidson loser i guess <laughs> Um, but it, I kind of felt more grounded, more realistic. The story, like I said, it, it meanders a little bit. There's not a whole lot of resolution to what, what happens, but it still feels complete. So I would definitely recommend it. Laura, you watched it. What did you think? Um, I was not expecting it. I was not expecting it to be put on the spot like this. Uh, I honestly don't, I, I hope this doesn't kind of elicit any, <laughs> emotions to the review but i don't remember a lot about this movie. <laughs> big thumbs up from that side of the table like i'm like i'm sitting here like oh i must have watched that while i was working or something <laughs> and i'm sitting here with a mic in front of me and i'm like oh yeah i do remember that one okay <laughs> it was it was definitely pete davidson i guess is the, my takeaway from if for what that's for yeah it, it's definitely a pete davidson production um i thought john crier did really well as as the kid's dad uh john crier from from two and a half men unfortunately but he was actually funny in this <laughs> so yeah th that's my recommendation it's definitely worth a watch um we're gonna go ahead and move on i think our our next or our next recommendation is gonna come from david and mystic i think we'll lead off with mystic so why don't we jump in? Mystic, what do you have to recommend for us today? Um, so my recommendation is an, a short animated series on Netflix right now called The Midnight Gospel. And so The Midnight Gospel is the story of Clancy, a space caster with a malfunctioning multiverse simulator who leaves the comfort of his extra dimensional home on the chaotic ribbon, chromatic ribbon, to interview beings living in other worlds. And um, so it got a... 92% score from critics and then a 90% score from just the regulars, I guess. And just the regulars. Um, <laughs> 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 I don't know what we are. The fucking peasant. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, that I really, really, really enjoy Pendleton Ward and like uh, just pretty much everything he's touched, I've, I really have liked, but this show especially is, um, I felt like it was a lot of those moments in adventure time where he wanted to go like super deep and like, you kind of, you got those heavy feels from the show, but constantly. And it's just like a very introspective show in general. It's got, um, so like I said, it's a space caster guy. And so each day he, each episode, he goes on some new adventure and it kind of seems like, there's no real resolve when you're like starting to watch the series. Like it's not really got a place that it's going necessarily, but then the, like the third, the further you get in, you really start to, it starts to like really hook you. And, uh, darn it. I lost my train of thought. So it's what it is. It's essentially, um, Pendleton Ward animating long form podcast from Duncan. Um, I'm not familiar with his podcast, but apparently he has, um, guests on there to talk about, uh, 
sort of uh, existential uh, idea, very, uh, very deep Buddhist ideas. Um, and so I'm, and it's just Pendleton Ward is adventure time animation style, animates meta conversation. And like Mystic said, it gets really deep. Um, it's the last episode is Duncan Trussell interviewing mother uh, who had been diagnosed with terminal cancer and uh, all about her grips with death. And so, I mean, uh-huh. the final episode is this whole, yeah, it's this whole like mind bending, like soul ripping venture as this son's mother about her upcoming. Real, real wow. feel good show then. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but it is. Yeah, no, you know, I, it, I, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's all about coming to grips with the very heavy issues in life. And that, like Mystic said, it was something that Pendleton Ward obviously wanted to kind of touch on with Adventure Time. There were some, some points in that show that got really, uh, really oh, heavy, heavy. really, really thinky. Yeah. And uh, this is just that constantly unrelenting. So like, it's like, Bojack also, Horseman. that's exactly it, what I was. I, yeah. I kind of drew that comparison a little bit, even with just the limited amount of Bojack that I have seen. Cause Clancy is that kind of over relatable, just, slacker avoids avoids every he's essentially animated takes all his problems just them off to the side <laughs> <laughs> it's it's got like a really good uh rewatch value too especially after you kind of tumble into it and realize what you're getting into you know um and since it is a short series i feel like it it is it's tolerable enough to rewatch you're not rewatching yeah you, you know, go back 20, and 25 pick up on stuff that you you didn't pick up on the first time there, there's that type mm-hmm. of stuff to each story and animation definitely got some depth yeah it's looking like what eight episodes about 25 yeah. minutes each that's that's not bad at all that's pretty yeah, easy i think to the binge. last one was pretty long yeah it um, a little longer but yeah that one yeah, i like when they do that that episode was really good too just each episode really had a lot of standalone like wow this episode's really good and then i get to the next one and i was like oh this one's really really good <laughs> <laughs> so it's a netflix original yeah yes Awesome. Um, I oh. think it just came out this year, actually. Okay. Too. Yeah, I think pretty recently. Like I hadn't seen anything, and then all of a sudden it popped up on on the homepage. Man, oh, Netflix is interesting. just shitting stuff out left and right. Uh, like it, they don't even announce anything. It's just Netflix. Yeah, it's just uh, suddenly new stuff is there. I don't know well, if they're this even is doing things during the quarantine. Yeah, they, I, uh, I don't know if this is coincidence or not, but uh, it premiered on four. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I doubt that's a coincidence. <laughs> that could just be the paranoia talking. <laughs> All right. Um, well, why don't we move on? David, uh, you're up. What, what is your recommendation? Uh, my recommendation uh, this week is another uh, entry on Netflix. It's not It's not a Netflix original. It is uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, if you are any sort of comic book fan, any sort of Spider-Man fan, and you haven't seen this movie yet, get on that. Um, it's, uh, hang on, let me find the, the dude, this, you don't even have to be a comic fan to enjoy this movie. Oh, you, you, and it doesn't matter what age you are either. If you're four years old, you're going to love it. If you're 40 years old, you're going to love it. it. It is, it is just so good. The, the music, the, the whole score to it was just, perfectly placed this is the best spider-man movie ever made i'm convinced of that you know honestly I'm, I'm looking at the cast here you know the only actor that i was very familiar with was jake johnson as uh peter b parker which i thought they nailed in casting oh, but man, he was a new girl um, i'm seeing uh Mar- yeah yeah <laughs> i'm seeing uh marshall ali was was uncle aaron 
Yeah. Um, Brian Tyree Henry was Jefferson Dave, uh, police officer Jefferson Davis. It, that, that, that's just an amazing cast. This, this is a seriously, they, they got some very good picks for this movie. Um, and at Nicholas Cage is Spider-Man Noir. I would love to see an entire spinoff of just a Spider-Man Noir movie, honestly. Oh, but, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, Into the Spider-Verse was colorful. It was highly entertaining. It It is an amazing movie. I totally agree. This is, like I said, this is probably my favorite Spider-Man movie that has been made to date. They are also currently... Uh, Picking up the sequel, I believe they're. I, I think they're trying to get it for a 2022 release. So yeah, looking at yeah I'm pretty sure. That. So yeah, if you haven't watched this movie, then definitely get on it. Um, it it's on Netflix, and man, it is so worth. It. Well, and it's also yeah. the perfect movie to watch with little kids because they're going to be obsessed with it, and then you can also enjoy something instead of having to watch trash TV. So like <laughs> nephews and little people. It's definitely an entry for the whole family. And I know a lot of like film buffs who are absolutely fascinated love it because i think kind of akin to something like i don't know if this is a stretch but like avatar it's an experience in the way that they animated it yeah Um, i agree it was animated like a comic cell in which the focus is on one thing and then kind of on the sides there are a lot of things that are out of focus and they did that intentionally to kind of make it look like a comic cell which yeah, it, and it, even like the, the colors well. used and stuff were very much like that as as yeah. well. They had like the the color dots and and stuff to it, like the the comic books look. And yeah, like the like the oh, what is that called? Um, yeah, like the dot printing. I, I, yeah, I have a name. I don't remember it. Uh, pop. Yeah, yeah, like art, the pop yeah. art style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it it has that look, but then with the the Spider Verse stuff that they throw in there, it is just so good, and it syncs up with the music like i said the score was incredible so yeah the they had the comic book stuff they had the animation they had the story like miles is is a great great spider-man he is a lot of fun to watch well it was it was the color palette for me and it was the humor for me like as someone who's never really been a huge like uh comic book movie fan or even like a marvel fan going into it even like as someone who wasn't really interested in, in superheroes or comics, I loved it because it had that kind of humor and relatability to people who even if who to, to an audience whose whose audience base or whose base really isn't that. Getting a, like a mid forties Peter B. Parker in there with a beer gut and everything too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very accessible. I think is is the best way to describe it. it it's accessible to everyone. It's just fun. I think literally the only criticism that i could level at that movie is from a nerd standpoint uh we didn't get any spider-man 2099 well actually we didn't get any spider-man 2099 <laughs> just uh, and we got a sequel coming out like spider-verse is huge uh, hopefully they keep making more and david can stop crying his nerd tears and get the just fuck saying, over it miguel o'hara is like a bigger part of that spider-verse than any of the other uh alternate spider-man that they got he was he was shunned in this and i am very upset on his behalf (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right david you have anything else you want to say about uh into the spider-verse watch it good i like it all right (laughs) (laughs) well let's move on um we do usually do a couple of uh warnings you know things not to watch uh things that are not worth wasting your time on um 
Keith, you have anything you want to tell us not to watch this week? Yeah. Um, this one, I, I probably wouldn't have picked this one had we not just watched it. Lauren had really been wanting to watch this movie for a long time uh, for nostalgia reasons. It's, it's weird science. It's John Hughes's movie. Uh, and you might be thinking, man, fuck this guy for saying that because weird yeah, science is awesome. That, right now. that is exactly no, what I was just thinking. So bad. <laughs> like, then it's, keep keep thinking that and don't go back and watch it. Just keep thinking, fuck this guy, because that's a great movie. Because <laughs> it's not a great movie. Keep it your memory of it. Keep it alive. Didn't age well. Don't ruin it because mine got destroyed because I loved weird science as a child. Like I remember having, I mean, just laughing. I, I don't even know what I thought was so funny about it. But yeah, it did not hold up. It's also vaguely sexist. I mean, blatantly yeah, sexist. None of the John also, Hughes movies hold up very well. Oh no! Yeah, I mean, I, but I mean, look at Ferris Bueller. Like, I could watch Ferris Bueller. I could watch uh, Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. There's, there's some good ones. And, and he did make a lot of these teen, these '80s teen movies. Uh, so I'll give him Home yeah. Alone. <laughs> there's bound to be some misses in there, and this one definitely was one of those misses. If, like I said, you're remembering this as a good movie, savor that memory and don't go back and watch it. It is not worth a rewatch. And if you've never seen it, it doesn't hold up. So you don't need to go back and watch it. You, you probably <laughs> like it. easy enough, David. Um, my avoid this week is uh, another superhero entry. It's uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Um, I'll be honest, I, I have like not cheating to pick DC movies, but okay. <laughs> I cheater. This this show. I really, really, really tried to get into this show. I wanted to like it so much. The it's a, a spinoff of The Flash and um, DW's Arrow, which have their issues, but overall, I think both shows are more towards the good end than the bad end of the spectrum. It, but Legends of Tomorrow, as much as I tried to really get into the show, it flops. The cast is boring. The story is unengaging, and I. I'm looking at the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and again, it's another one of those where the kind of disagreeing with me. It's it's got an 87% critic review, 73% audience review. Um, but again, it's just like this is boring. It's boring stuff, man. Is this a live action or is this a, a cartoon? It's a live action. Oh, really? I've I've never actually heard of it, so I I've I've never even had a chance to watch it. They they pulled what they did. They they pulled um they pulled the Adam from um arrow and they pulled uh captain cold from uh the flash and then a couple other characters from from these from these shows and they made this ragtag team of time traveling heroes and like the premise is fantastic i I wanted to really like this show but uh it falls flat on its face yeah i think that happens a lot with dc stories Uh, arrow is probably one of the only live action DC story shows that I really like. I feel like Flash was way too campy. I, I never even finished it or I haven't caught up in it. Um, Arrow had the campiness, but it also had the Arrow parts of it. You know, he's yeah. he's a lot darker for a DC character. He's got the Batman-esque feel to him. And um, it, it really sucks to see them kind of flop on another live action show oh. that has potential. You know, even in the, in the first couple of seasons of Arrow that... Um darkness that he had and you know where it because i think it was in the third season where he's like all right i'm done killing people and it's like you guys if you're gonna it's this weird thing because like there's different 
these comic books have this multiverse theory, right? Where they have they get this ability to play around with characters' origins and intentions and how they go about being a superhero. But right. uh, Oliver Queen was never this like super dark, like very vengeance driven character that the CW made him to be. Um, he, yeah, he's, he's always kind of been. Rough eccentric asshole-ish. Yeah, kind of, a little yeah. bit more lighthearted, which I, yeah. I thought was kind of appealing about the Arrow. Um, but back to Legends of Tomorrow, like, it's boring. <laughs> it's just I, boring. I, I, I can't get past just how, how unrelentingly boring that show is. This one's on Netflix, too, with, with the other CW shows? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, it seemed like that whole DC CW universe felt pretty flat overall. Yeah. Man, Smallville had the most potential out of out of most of those shows, and it just flopped so hard. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that another DC live action CW show isn't that good. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Don't watch that. Well, um, normally I would throw out a, a a warning not to watch, but we are running a little short on time, so I will save that for next week. Uh, so I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it sure. up. <laughs> um, I do want to. And a, be a very heartfelt thank you to Lauren, Mystic, and Laura. Uh, we really appreciate you guys coming on and giving us a, a different viewpoint. Um, you know, it's going to get a little stale if it's just three ugly dudes, you know, white guys in their 30s talking about comic book movies over and over every week. So we really appreciate it. Um, thanks again for coming on. Um, you can find us on Discord. The link is in our show page. Come on, talk to us. Tell us why we're wrong about our picks. Tell us anything else you guys want to recommend to us. Um, anything like that. You can follow us on Twitter. I am Spencer underscore 3G1up. I'm at Jesus, H-E-Z-O-O-S, 1up. I am at Spurgling. So follow us on Twitter. Uh, check out our other show on the three guys one up podcast network called three guys one up where we discuss video game news uh topics in video games tech things like that and uh other than that i think we will talk to you guys next week thanks everyone thanks guys good night everybody Bye.